Welcome to Cloudlandia. Mr. Sullivan. Mr. Jackson. There we are. You, you've triggered me. I'm now looking for hits on Cloudlandia, so I just sent you one. Oh, really? Okay, cool, cool. What's happened? Well, look at look at it. I mean, oh, uh, it arrived. Okay. It, it, it arrived as a uh, Cloudlandia message. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all the way through Cloudlandia, another all Cloudlandia hero Cloudlandia. story. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, I like. So he's that. a rapper. He's a rapper, and uh, in the last um, four, thirty days, he's gone to number one. On all music genres, on iTunes, iTunes Music, he's a oh yes, he's a guy. I know about Edmonton. Songs. He's from he, Tommy Donald. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I know about him. So I didn't know um, the story. So what? What's the story? This is very interesting. Well, you know, he's uh, he's been rapping, writing, and rapping for um, probably about six. I think he's in his seventh year now. He's from Edmonton, Alberta, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and he was a wrestler too. He's a wrestler, so he's got all the right uh, credentials, you know. Because rapping is kind of a form of wrestling, actually. You know, it's uh, wrestling with the English language, I guess. And uh, anyway, but he just go- goes after all the political correctness uh, stuff that's coming out and he turns all the political correctness into stuff to show his notion uh yeah you know his notion of what's at yeah. stake here but one of the things that it illustrates to me that it's a free medium for anyone who can write something that's interesting to other people and uh, right. develop an audience and a following and uh so far he's had 10 mil 10 million in just a month with the yes. video that goes with, he's had 10 million downloads. And I was just every scanning. time, every time that he gets panned by some, uh, you know, someone who doesn't like his thoughts, doesn't like his words, doesn't like his music, <laughs> he, he, mm-hmm. get, he gets about, he gets about 50,000 more followers the moment, every time somebody hits that. Oh, this is great. Yeah. You know, but, I remember and he controls the whole thing. He has no agent. He has no mm-hmm. production, you know, and everything else. He's just taking advantage of Cloudlandia. This is great. I'm reading this article. And you know what st- stood out to me? Like this, I'm just scanning through the article that you sent me. Because I think the song that I saw was called No Lives Matter. And it was mm-hmm. a uh, thing. But this, there was one line in the song that, uh, really stood out to me. And that's the one they think uh, they mentioned in the article. He says, uh, they say bacteria is proof of life on Mars, but a heartbeat isn't proof of life on Earth, <laughs> which is kind <laughs> of, a, I mean, really interesting, right? Bacteria is <clears throat> proof of life on Mars, but a heartbeat isn't proof of life on Earth. Weird. That's an interesting yeah, well, perspective, right? Well, like what's real? Yeah. Yeah, but what's really interesting, he's like a really good speechwriter. You like, uh, you know, John Kennedy, uh, JFK, and yes. Ronald Reagan. Uh, they had great, great lines. Uh, they had um, they, they they had great lines, but what they had was great speechwriters. And yes. uh, and he's like a great speechwriter because he can take thoughts, do contrast with thoughts. Yes, you know, like. Uh, so all the, you know, the top of the political conversation and the cultural conversation in the U.S. Yeah. is just pulling out the terms and then he's putting them to rap music, which is kind of hard for his enemies to go after him because rap is, I mean, rap is kind of like, uh, the, can, can, can you cancel a rap artist? <laughs> right. That's the thing. It's kind of a brilliant package in that. If he was just on, if he was a blogger or a vlogger doing video, uh, videos and just saying the things that he's saying 
on, uh, you know, just in normal voice, just talking them, sharing the ideas, it would be a different, you know, then he's a pundit kind of thing compared to wrapping them. He's an artist and it's an, it's a really interesting, um, uh, well, the, the, the other comparison. thing is that they're sort of, they're sort of the, you know, basketball players and rappers, white, white guys can't do it. You know, they can't mm-hmm. jump and they can't do rap, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and we've had only one, you know, who really made it over the like, Eminem is the only one who became famous. Come on now. But, don't vanilla ice. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not my, <laughs> it's not my. It's not my genre, but okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. I can tell that you're okay, you're not you just, a hip hop historian. Okay, you just uh, expanded my knowledge by a hundred percent. So uh, <laughs> there you anyway. go. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, but this guy's got creds, you know. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. You can kind of follow what he's saying, you know. Like, I mean, yeah. it's got a. The other thing, it's got kind of a point, you know, I mean, every one of his, uh, you use the word blog, these are kind of rap blogs. Yeah, that's right. That's, it's an interesting expression. It's a, it's, it's so funny how, what package you put something in shapes the reception of it. It's almost like you, he's in that bubble of a rap song that it's, uh, it's received differently than it is if it was an op-ed on the New York Times. Yep. You know, that's a, that's yeah, a really so everybody who's listening. So everybody who's listening, uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, you know, just go to um, uh, just go to Wikipedia. The Wikipedia hasn't taken him down yet. Uh, you know, they uh-huh. haven't found a way to take him down yet. He hasn't been so canceled Tom yet. Mc, Tom, Tom McDonald uh, from Edmonton, yeah. Edmonton, Alberta. And, uh, you know, and um yeah, I just find it. I mean, uh, we're developing the uniqueness of opportunity and the well, the uniqueness of vision, capability, and reach. That's mm-hmm. your uh, formula. And he's got a vision, he's got capability, and he's got reach. Mm-hmm. This is interesting because it's saying, yeah, he does. He owns the masters. He writes and performs the music. His lovely and talented girlfriend directs and produces all his videos. They don't need anybody else. They have one other employee who also contributes mm-hmm. to overall effort. But with three people, Tom McDonald doing better financially with total artistic freedom than artists creating music under a record label. And he's delivering mm-hmm. the highest quality content in this industry. It's a really, um, that's amazing. You know, like this is, I- I'm so excited, Dan, that we, I think we've got a really great, thing here what you and i are doing as cartographers of of cloudlandia mm-hmm. here you know i mean yeah <laughs> naming it and then observing the the migration and the things that are happening um and this is yeah i mean one it's of almost them. it's almost like we're bringing uh we're bringing um tribal superstars back to london to introduce them to the king and queen of england <laughs> wow yeah i mean really that's something isn't it yeah. right <laughs> look at that. yeah hey look at this one you thought you thought the last one was good wait till, you know it's like the old bob newhart uh you know his he he would do his conversations with historical characters bob newhart 1950 yeah. 1960 right, right and right. one was with sir sir walter raleigh uh and he's sort of the pr man or the advertising man for uh, pr yeah. i think he's sort of the pr agent for sir walter raleigh and um you know and he takes a phone call and it's his secretary and she says uh nutty wald is here again oh jeez nutty wald okay hi hi hey wald how you doing yeah yeah <laughs> what do you got for what do you, you're back what do you got for us this time tobacco tobacco Cool. All right. Well, what's tobacco? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're, and they're really funny, but, but we're bringing funny things back from a new world. And we're, yeah. we're um, and not only that, we're, um, we're not only bringing maps back, but we're telling people what the key skills are of exploring the new land. 
So this is this is great. I heard a new word to this week. Uh, I mean, and I really sort of this week is the first time I've kind of looked into it because it feels like it's heating up a new term um, that is uh, NFT. Have you heard? Do you know about that? What an NFT no, I don't. is? So neither did I. And I'd heard the word just kind of heard the term bandied about, but um, it stands for non-fungible token. And what it is, is it's a new a thing that's showing up on um, the blockchain that allows someone to own a digital asset. Like to own, somebody bought a, um, there's some art that's happening where somebody bought a piece of digital art that they paid, you know, a million dollars or more for mm-hmm. to have the ownership of this, even though it's digitally available, they own this unique, this one certified one of it. And, um, the provenance, you know, we're thinking ahead now that the, the provenance of digital art will be documented in the blockchain going forward, that the, the mm-hmm. authenticity of it is um, something. So people are selling, like what's buying, there's a, um, you know, there's a pixelated art uh, picture called a crypto I forget it was a crypto monkey or some something like that that was uh this guy paid for and it's just a simple digital image. Somebody's buying um some Pokemon um things like this that have value. Somebody paid um I wish I should remember the numbers, but a significant amount of money for an eight second video clip of LeBron James, um, you know, make doing some, some dunk that it's as a sports collectible kind of thing. You own this digital thing. Mm-hmm. So imagine for instance, if, you know, like imagine it'd be like owning the rights to an image kind of thing, pre-internet, you would have mm-hmm. tangible assets where somebody yes. would like, if you, um, the Zapruder films or something, right? Like, or some, you know, when you got the physical film of something um, or a physical picture of something that you would buy the rights to it or and own the master, the the negatives of the uh, thing. Because there were physicals, um, a physical asset. Well, in the digital world, there's not that. So this is what these, non-fungible tokens are about that yeah. they're something that can de- mark internet uh, ownership digital yeah. ownership of something mm-hmm. yeah and it's i thought re- it's I, really re- yeah i yeah i've got uh several uh takes on that uh, now that i do too like i was just thinking about how what struck me was because they're thinking about how all the number of uses that you could have for some people are selling songs like um mm-hmm. and i remember a few do you remember um, i've got one of my clients ago. who i've got uh one of my clients yeah. who has a hedge fund and just buying parts of artists um you know what would be fascinating yeah, there are catalogs. And, and, and what they are, if you think of the long tail that developed uh, in relationship yeah. to yeah. internet marketing, that yeah. you have a straight line at the left-hand side that goes right up to the top. Mm-hmm. And all the great stars are on a straight line. In other words, if they bring out something, they immediately yeah. have 2 million, 3 million people. And then there's this curve that goes down to nothing. So. Mm-hmm. They're the stars. And what my is a 30 year client and strategic coach named uh, Greg Gishan. And what he discovered through some people who really knew the recording industry that if you come about halfway down the curve, 
the lawn tail mm-hmm. and you take about a 20% cut out of it and say it's like at the 40% to 60% mark, they discovered that there's um, artists and, uh, you know, uh, musicians who write things that yeah. in the first year, they'll, let's say, they'll sell 10,000, uh, they'll, they'll sell 10,000 songs, okay, uh-huh. which is not, doesn't make them a star, stars sell millions of millions. Yeah. But in, the, in their fifth year and every other year, they still sell 10,000 songs. So they're like, uh, yes, yeah, they're like, a cow. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a self-milking cow and every, uh-huh. you know, and every year they get 10, you know, they get 10,000 gallons out of, uh, out of this. So they, okay, right. they don't purchase all of this. They just purchase part of it. And he's got a mutual uh-huh. fund that he's put together and right. he's got about 30 or 40 of these 20 to 40% artists. And uh, it gives them instant. First of all, they get cash flow right off the bat. There's a purchase price. And then uh, because it's in this fund, uh, it's propelling their sales going forward. And then they get their, they get whatever royalties they were getting before. But it, uh, so it's not total ownership. It's just part of ownership. Right. And, uh, and so what it means is that things in the digital world are value, valuable, but you've got two problems. How do you trust that it's real? And the second thing is, how do you protect it against getting stolen by someone else? And what mm-hmm. you're talking with, um, fungible, yeah. non-fungible, non-fungible tokens. And what yeah. fungible means it's not a, uh, it's not a currency of exchange. Okay. Right. So the U.S. dollar is the number one currency in the world, and everybody has strange notions about this. And they said, well, you know, it's not going to be forever. And I said, well, it, it will be forever if everybody uses it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so if you say, well, the Chinese will have a currency that's more powerful than the Americans. And I said, well, just do a test. Uh you know, go around the world to 10,000 different people and say, we'll give you $10,000 in American currency or $10,000 worth of Chinese currency. Uh, which one would you take? And I don't know anyone who would take the Chinese currency. And that's why the U.S. currency is more fungible. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what you're saying is that uh, digital things now can become as uh, secure in knowing that they're real and who the owner is as physical things, because, uh, you know, they have blockchain on diamonds. Now the provenance Mm -hmm. of diamonds, you know, when a diamond was mined, where it was mined under what conditions it was mined when it was, uh, developed and, who has owned the diamond right up until now? A painting on the wall. You can do that with a painting on the wall. So you're mm-hmm. you're applying this to digital property, digital creations. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, like, so I, I saw in the article that um, Jack Dorsey from Twitter is mm-hmm. is selling his the first tweet. Which so a digital an image of the first tweet on Twitter, and mm-hmm. that he sent, and you think, well, that's interesting. Like that's a bit of internet history right there. And yeah. I started thinking about like, imagine if um, Taylor Swift, as who came to my mind because I'd seen another article about her, but imagine if Taylor Swift sold the digital uh an, an nft of a the image of the um lyrics that she wrote in her journal for uh, a song the first time like the first uh words that she had about this song that mm-hmm. everything it's like documenting everything now and I don't know how you create or or uh, activate an NFT for something because I'm very again 
very new into it. And I'm seeing all this buzz around it. I'm in a um, group that's been, you know, everybody's uh, talking about it in a group text uh, thing. I haven't had a chance to really look through all the um, things, but I wanted to well, see if you had heard about well, it. Well, I'll give you an example of this that goes back almost 100 years. And this is the first, uh, this is actually the first um, ad that was ever on radio. And this happened mm. at 515 on Monday, August 28th, 1922. Okay. And this oh, is New York, New York radio station, WEAF. And someone came on and said this, let me enjoy upon you as you value your health and your hopes and your home happiness, get away from the solid masses of brick where the meager opening admitting a slant of sunlight is mockingly called a light shaft and where children grow up starved for a runaway patch of grass and the sight of a tree. Okay, so that was the first recorded radio advertisement and uh, what it was, it was selling a new housing development in the suburbs of New York called Hawthorne Court. That's interesting. So uh, Jack Twitter's first tweet, well, this is the first ad. So if they actually mm-hmm. have this recorded, they can they can make it into an NFP. That's, a, that's an interesting. Uh, yeah, it's funny, you know, like I look at those. um things like you're looking great moments in Cloudlandia. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I mean documenting <laughs> documenting the things that uh yeah, I mean so lots of I mean I, I think this is really gonna go I mean vision, if we had recorded if column, we had reco- if we had recorded our first discussion at Le Select uh Le Select uh, Bistro at lunchtime mm-hmm. And I brought up the idea of um, uh, procrastination being valuable. Yeah. And then you saying, well, let's create a podcast and we'll call it the joy of procrastination. And I yeah. said, how can we do that? And I said, we can do it tomorrow. And I said, okay, <laughs> let's do it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And that was recorded. And uh, there you go. <laughs> I mean, that, could you imagine if that was the... Uh... I mean, it's a really interesting way of thinking about documenting. Like, imagine artists who are creating songs or out there the first time they demo a song. Imagine, you know, if, uh, I mean, I don't know how that, I've got to get the rest of what the um, thing is because I wonder how, I wonder if you could take these this digital asset, but imagine if Taylor Swift played the song into her um, iPhone or whatever, like she normally does to uh, get a demo of it or to just record the idea of it. Imagine without knowing that that's going to be a hit song. And then after it becomes a hit song and she, you know, it becomes number one, then what would be the value of that Genesis moment, that recording that you could own the, the raw translation, the first time the thought goes from analog to digital, the first time it, that's the birth date of something, right? Like when you first digitize it. Well, uh, one of the things that you're suggesting in this discussion is the blockchain provenance. Of yeah, that's what I wonder is how do you activate? Words, there's got to be there's got to be some sort of like almost like barcoding scanner, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, that when you say this is. Uh, Taylor Swift's first, uh, you know, these are her first thoughts about her first hit. Um, mm-hmm. You you have to uh, you say, okay, let's find Taylor, and she has to have it recorded somewhere. In other words, uh, that has yeah. to be recorded, and you That's run I mean. the provenance. You run the provenance, the blockchain provenance scanner over it, and say, yeah, that's true. 
That's true. Um, yeah. And this is actually this is actually true. You know, like I wonder if this see, is going to be the digital equivalent uh, of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. I wonder if this is going to be the digital equivalent of. You remember the old uh, thing? If you have an idea or something to send us, send it in a sealed envelope, certified to yourself. You know, with mm-hmm. the date stamp and all of that uh, stuff. The the poor man's uh, patent kind of thing or proof of. Um, well, it's um, uh, yeah, yeah. It's co- accounts in the law because I'm going through this right now in a first really big litigation that we've ever done. Mm-hmm with that and we have dates times and witnesses for every one of our um you know every one of our concepts and every one of uh-huh. our thing we can say exactly when this was first made public and who the witnesses were for this we've mm-hmm. got the date and everything for each of our new ideas and that uh-huh. constitutes copyright protection you know it's kind yeah. of copyright protection yeah that's yeah. Yeah. So interesting then that whole um so you know as a vision uh as a visionary in the vision column that these things mm-hmm. are going to be potentially very valuable uh, as uh, like learning the ways of documenting um um ideas and thinking um that way. I've been thinking particularly about it as the algorithms, you know? Well, um, you know what makes something valuable? Tell me. Somebody's willing to write a check for it. That's true. That is absolutely true. Um. (laughs) The exchange. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's the pricing mechanism. There's a concept called the pricing mechanism of the marketplace. And mm. says things are worth what someone, someone somewhere is willing to pay you for, uh, for this. You know, I, I is that what the invisible discussion. hand of the market is? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like uh, Mike Trout, uh, baseball player, Los Angeles Angels. Yes, uh, signed the biggest ever contract in the history of baseball, and it yes. was for I think it's thirteen years for four hundred and fifty fifty million. million. Yeah. yeah. And uh so I uh, and that's guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. I think half of it is guaranteed because they have an injury clause in it. Yeah. But uh uh but uh for signing he gets like forty five million. He gets like a tenth of it right up front just for signing right. the contract. And uh I we were having a discussion in the and in the workshop with some entrepreneurs uh, days after this happened. And they said, the one guy said, you know, I think this is obscene. I I, I have to tell you that America is going to hell. America, you know, you can just tell America is going down back hole. And I said, why? And he says, a baseball player getting $450 million. And I said, yes, Uh I I read that. And uh, he, he said, there's no baseball player who's worth $450 million. And I said, Oh boy. All right. I've got the proof that what you I got the proof correct. too. Exactly. <laughs> I got the proof that what you just said is not correct because somebody just signed a contract, uh, just uh, guaranteed a contract for $450 yeah. million. So a baseball player, Mike Trout, is worth $450 million. Yeah. And, you know, it really upset me. He says, Well, well you got people like, School teachers and firemen, yeah. And I oh, said, boy. well, nobody signed them. Nobody, there's no firemen in the world that somebody signed a contract for $450 million. So that right. there's no fireman who is worth a baseball player. <laughs> right. And it's really, hard, it's really hard for people to accept that value is strictly in the eyes of a potential check writer. Yeah. That's a really interesting thing that you look at you know, there's only one, you know, that's, that's an interesting thing that, you know, he's probably the greatest baseball player of his generation. And, Mm -hmm. but he's also pretty anonymous in a lot of ways, like in compared to the great baseball players when we were growing up. 
Yeah, he's been on subpar teams. You know, I mean, yeah. he hasn't been. A, they haven't been playoff teams. They haven't been yeah. World Series teams. You know? Right. But here, here's the thing, uh, uh, and this is really interesting. I went back and looked at some statistics, and I said, you know, baseball owners generally are rich people, and mm-hmm. they got rich because they uh, they knew what they were signing their signature to over a period of 30 or 40 years, and they tend mm-hmm. to be really successful at uh, investing in different things and generally more successful than than non-successful. But if you, there's a statistic that is absolutely constant that if you take a ratio between the salary that they're paying their ballplayers and compare it, against the value of their baseball team Hmm. in the marketplace. The Mm -hmm. ratio in 1950 is the same as the ratio in 2020. There's been no change in the ratio between salaries and value of baseball club in 70 years. I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah. 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 This is how they can can write a check like that. What it Mm -hmm. means is that the multiplier of the value of their ball club, if they invest in Mike Trout for $450 million, it probably makes their club worth a couple billion dollars. Yeah. Because he's an asset in their company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. And it's hard for people, you know, who want value and worth to be determined by something other than check writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by some... Uh yeah, intangible value or moral value. Yeah. But the thing is, there's only, you know, there's, you think about teachers and firemen, collectively, there's an incredible value on, you know, all the the teachers and firemen, but they're only impacting a small number of people in their local community. And there's only one. And only, and, and only in certain situations. Yeah. Not yeah. constantly, not day after day, you know. Right. Not day after yeah. day. I mean, and I'm talking about uh, people's awareness. Maybe firemen are doing something every day that's valuable, but it, it's not something that's known to uh, the people who are writing tax checks. I think it's interesting. If you think about the category of education and you take the who would be the equivalent at the top of the game in education that I bet there are education entrepreneurs that are oh, making yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. And that's really oh, the yeah. thing. It's, like, that's almost like yeah. comparing the value of Mike Trout to one, uh, you know, to a little league uh, player in a local league, you know, yeah. Well, there. Uh, I mean, they have to be. Uh, it would be sort of the lowest uh, minor league club where you were actually right. getting paid. To, there you uh, go. Paid yeah. To buy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And they'd be making. Uh, they'd be making at most. Uh, you know, like at the lowest um, baseball minor leagues, they might be making twenty thousand a year. Twenty. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Right. They'd have to have they'd have to have another job during the off season to yes. you know to stay ahead. Okay. Yeah. And uh yeah, so the it would be Mike Trot making you know, somewhere around thirteen thirteen times you know thirty thousand dollars or thirty five thousand dollars a year. Thirty five million dollars mm-hmm. a year as opposed to twenty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I wonder people, if you think well, about that. Uh, you know, so educator. I'm going to say yeah. here, because here, I and I engage with people who say that's absolutely obscene. That's terrible. That's that's that just shows a perversion of values in society. And mm. I said, well, well, value. I said that's an interesting. That's an interesting. That's an interesting concept. Let's talk about value. Value valuable to who? You know, valuable to who? So you take Kylie Jenner, first uh, teenage or 20-year-old billionaire in history, mm-hmm. uh, 
Uh, why is she Why is she valuable? So one thing is uh, reach. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's exactly yeah. right. You can't hide that. Capability. Vision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, you've introduced a whole new uh, accounting system, a measurement system in the human affairs for Cloudlandia. The, the value of somebody in Cloudlandia is a combination of V plus C. Uh, or is it, what is it? V plus C times nine, V right? plus C multiplied by reach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's the new algorithm for mm-hmm. if you. So we started this episode of uh, Welcome to Cloudlandia with a report on a rap singer who is now rated number one of all music genres on iTunes. Number one um, music, ten million downloads of a video in the last thirty days. He's got yeah. vision. He's got C times uh, times reach. Yes. That's amazing, right? That's the thing. He tapped into the app, Apple, the reach. And you look at those Apple, um, you look at those reach platforms, like anybody can, this is what, what's so amazing about it is that there's never, Cloudlandia welcomes visionaries. That's really yeah. The place. That's the message. If we could send the message out to all visionaries that Cloudlandia is a welcoming place. Free land. Free land. I'm going to rewatch. Uh, I'm going to rewatch the um, Coming to America or whatever the, um, the oh, yeah, one yeah. with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Well, it's, what was it's, it called? First of all, it's. Um, Yeah, what was America? Uh, I think it was coming to America. That's it. Or yeah, it could have been coming to America. Yeah, but it was, it was about Nicole the Kidman and the Tom gangs, Cruise. The games in New York City, and them coming to, uh, and they were getting out to where they were giving away land, and that was yeah. something, you know, like that. Just imagine that the because I loved how it started in. Ireland, I guess, or were they? It was either Ireland or England. Yeah. That they were, yeah, I think it was Ireland. And he's saying to her, you know, he's got a flyer right there that's telling them that they're giving away free land. And he was like, a new start in America, you know, like that, getting excited about that. And then getting on the boat and getting over there and then getting on a, you know, horse and getting out to Oklahoma where they're giving away and the certain day the gun goes off and you can run and stake your claim. The land rush, the Oklahoma land land rush. rush. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, here's the thing about that. Yeah. Here's the thing about it. Um, uh, The, you know, there's lots of different thoughts about whether, you know, when they, Group of people come from someplace on the planet and they have skills and they have knowledge and everything else. And they suddenly take over what you people say, well, that's somebody else's property. But nowhere in any uh, records of, uh, <clears throat> you know, the people who were in North America, I'll just use North America, not South or Central America. Is there any... Um, is there any indication that they had any idea of a concept called property? Hmm. Yeah, no. The people coming, but the people who came up had thousands mm-hmm. of years of developing the concept of property. So they had a capability. Yes. They had a capability. Yeah. And, yes. um, and, and so, um, uh, if you lack an idea, uh, are you a victim? Mm-hmm. Let's just use our conversation, Dean. You and I are developing a new idea called Cloudlandia, and mm-hmm. we, you have determined you have determined that there's an algorithm that determines your success in Cloudlandia, and it's mm-hmm. VCR uh, vision plus capability times reach 
equals Godlandia success. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't know there's a thing called Godlandia, and you don't know the algorithm called VCR, and you feel yourself being left out and left behind, are you a victim? Yeah, that's. Are you a victim? Yeah, because say this isn't fair. These people are using something that's not even real, like Pavlandia. It's not even real. Where is it? I can't mm-hmm. see it. I can't touch it. I can't feel it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, new kind of re- new kind of reality. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting because a lot of these. Uh, do you know if you use this analogy? It's kind of like they're, especially the younger generation who's never known anything. Imagine if we were, you know, land-based, mainland, which we are, we're mainland-based most of our lives. And then circa the turn of the century, or the millennium, <laughs> in 2000, you know, we slowly started making our way into this digital world that, you know, kids that were born after 2006, when the iPad and the, I've, you know, all of those, uh, the digital app world was built in there. They have no frame of reference for an analog life. They're, so no. be like asking a fish about how do you like the water and there'll be what's <laughs> water. And they're, that's like these water, kids are water. surrounded. They're surrounded in Cloudlandia. Well, they live in Cloudlandia. Well, there's the immigrant, what I call the immigrant, you know, the, the immigrant structure that immigrants from another place, yeah. when they come to a new place, have an yes. incredibly greater appreciation of the new place than people who are yes. born there. Yes. I mean, you and I have a greater appreciation of Cloudlandia than yes. kids who were born in Cloudlandia. And the reason is we know the difference between another world and this world. Mm-hmm. That's, that's exactly my point that there's, they don't have any frame of reference and that's, yeah. that's where it's uh yeah, so they're figuring it out. They realize there's nothing new to them that, hey, I don't have to yeah. get a warehouse and make stuff. I can drop ship things. And yeah. kids are making, you know, making hundreds of thousands of dollars drop shipping. They're finding, yeah. they're looking online, they're reading the charts and seeing that, hey, this is a popular product. Then they go over to Alibaba and they find, hey, I can buy those for, I can buy a a boatload of those and bring them over and ship them through Amazon and make a margin on those. Yeah. It's very interesting. One of our pre-zone clients, uh, Stephen Poulter, he's got a son who I think is now about 13 or 14. And uh, for at least four years, he's been doing exactly what you just said. He's been... He's been looking at where you can buy something for pennies on a dollar Mm -hmm. and sell the something for a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, you find it somewhere else in the world for pennies on the dollar, have it shipped over here and get Mm -hmm. it and then fulfill an order where it's a dollar. It costs Mm -hmm. you seven cents, but it costs... Somebody will pay you a dollar for something that costs you seven cents. That's good. That's good business. And the other thing he's figured out that any topic that his teachers teach him in school, that if he goes home and looks it up on YouTube and watches five hours of YouTube films, he knows more than his teacher. Yes. Yeah. One one Wikipedia Wikipedia page and uh, yeah. Yeah, and he said, Dad, uh, why should I ever have a job and why should I ever go to a school? I figured out the whole system. Yes. Smart. I knew he was smart. And, the first uh, time I yeah, met him. And, yeah, and Stephen says, you know, I have a hard time asking. I have a 
hard time answering his question. I sort he says, I can't, I can't, I haven't yet come up with a satisfactory answer to his question. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I said the same thing to Philip when he was doing the homeschooling and uh, we got his eBay business uh, up and running and he made the first sales. And I just, I explained to him, and he, he doesn't get it right now. It's still about games and, and going to real school. But I said, dude, you have the secret to life right now. You've figured <laughs> it out. You've got, you are literally self-sustaining right now. You could be. I said, you, you, most people go through their entire lives with their umbilical cord in their hand, looking for somewhere to plug it in. And the whole reason that they go to school is so that they're able to convince somebody to let them plug in their umbilical cord so they can well, give no, them that, money and a job. That, well, that it's a piece of paper that gives you your capability. Yeah. It's not, it's not that you have a capability. It's that you have a yeah. piece of paper. Yes. And I said, you know, you've got this thing. Now you literally from right here, you have the ability to make money. It's yep. like literally without depending on anybody. It's really a, I mean, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Well, it's but very, very interesting. Cool. Something happened in December, which I think is a historic moment. And uh -huh. uh, Google, our alphabet, alphabet, you know, the, holding company announced that it would no longer be necessary for job applicants to Google to have a college degree. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, oh, that's really, really interesting. That's, that's yeah. the end of a long, long era. A long era just came to an end with yes. one announcement because since about yes. the mid-60s, uh, that was the only way you could get a really good job and move upward in the world as with a college diploma. So 1965, yeah. 2020. Uh, oh, wow. Gee, that's uh, 55 years and a 55-year yeah. era just ended. I've long said that, Dan. Any, any kid that's disciplined enough to get into a top university, meaning they've got the high SAT scores, they've got the uh, grades, the GPA, they've proven that they're disciplined executors and can uh, do that, that it would be, it would make sense for a company to hire instead of those kids paying um, $100,000 to go to college for the next four years, it would be so much better for the companies to hire and train them over that three or four year period. You could I mean, the way it changes, it's signing. They could have signing yeah. bonuses or vesting that come out and do go this four years with us. And at the end of four years, you get this almost like the um, military bonuses, you know, or whatever you get the, you got to commit for four yeah, years. And, yeah, I don't. Yeah. yeah. Well, imagine if you, you could do that. Imagine the company, like as the workforce is getting more and more competitive and none of the, yeah. it's not like they're yearning in university, the actual um, things that they're going to be applying on, on the job anyway. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, here's, a, yeah. here's an interesting uh, story. Um, Cameron Johnson. Remember Cameron Johnson? I just saw Cameron uh, a year ago. Uh, just saw yeah. when I was in Phoenix, he was uh, in uh, Joe and I went and had uh, had uh, brunch with him and um, yeah, and a few other people. Yeah. So anyway, uh, he's 14 years old. I don't know if Cameron might be 30 now, but he's 14 years old mm -hmm. and he's the number one uh, seller of. Beanie Babies on the internet, right. and this is, this goes back. This is the nineteen, you know, nineteen nineties. Fourteen yeah. years old, and he's the number one seller of Beanie Babies on the internet. Okay, and then uh, about two years later, maybe three years later, uh, he is hired by Toshiba of Japan to come to Japan 
and give a series of lectures to parents of why they should allow their children to have a computer in a Japanese home. Okay. For a whole whole summer. So mm-hmm. he's 16, 17 years old. And when he's 20, he's the youngest uh, youngest entrepreneur that we've ever had in the strategic coach program because wow. he um, he created a way for um, secondhand sales of Fords for his father's Ford dealership. He's from Roanoke in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And he came up with a way of getting customers in for secondhand sales. And he set the record for Ford in the history of Ford Motor Company going back almost a century. Uh, They sold in one year the most um, secondhand Fords of all time, and he did it strictly through the Internet. Okay, Mm. so Richard Rossi, great friend of ours, uh, yeah, we were in Washington D.C. and we were invited to Richard and uh, Lisa's home, and we were having dinner. And Cameron, Cameron was there, and so Cameron, uh, we were talking at dinner, and he said, um, "You know, he says I, I I did a year of university, but he said I dropped out because I was too busy with my online businesses." And he says, uh, do you think, uh, um, do you think, you know, do you think I should go and get a college degree? And um, I said, uh, why would you, why would you be thinking that? Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, well, I don't know if I could get a job at a, at a, um, you know, a really good corporation without a college degree. And I said, well, there's two considerations here. There's two considerations. No, you cannot get a job at a major corporation without a college degree. And number two, given your capabilities and entrepreneurial success, why would you even be thinking of getting a job at a major corporation? And what was his reply? He says, I don't know. He says, you know, there's the whole social thing and everybody. And I says, everybody that you'll want to meet in your future, Cameron, will first of all be wanting to meet you. Right. Yeah. I think that's the, it's funny though, but I I think about like in my But it shows you, but it sort of shows you the emotional and psychological uh, hold to the past that. Mm -hmm. Lots of things in our society. Uh, I've never heard you talk. I've, I have the foggiest idea, um, Dean, where you went to college, if you went to college. And I would, yeah, I'm a I would not know that. Well. Yeah, I would I'm not a know that about any. I would not know that about any entrepreneur in the strategic coach program. I have the foggiest idea if they went to college. I was just what thinking about, uh, I was just thinking about that, that in my, like, uh, circle of entrepreneurial friends, it's very rare that somebody actually went to college or finished college. Like, uh, and so I think about, or even, or even brings it up or even brings it up as a topic. Right, right, right. I wonder if we were to look at the free zone, uh, you know, members and to see, um, how many of how many of us were uh, college dropouts? I bet there's a lot. It's it's, it's funny, or but they gra- or they graduated, but it's meaningless. You know, it's kind yeah. Of like I mean, a, that's really it's a, yeah. Like you think about and all of the well, I guess the doctors and probably the um yeah a lot of the yeah. financial advisors or lawyers the, the lawyers the accountants the lawyers uh, you know, yeah yeah the yeah. professionals and, uh, yeah and uh yeah uh yeah but uh they're not in free zone because of their credentials <laughs> yeah it's not because we graduated magna cum laude yeah as they say yeah. right yeah. 
<laughs> and oh, this, uh, so what what we can say, you know, you know, here we are, we're in, you know, in 2021, and we're in March of 2021, about a, a year's worth of the COVID, um, the great COVID occurrence on the planet mm-hmm. Earth. And Dean, Dean Jackson and Dan Sullivan have just said, well, you know, uh, uh, we can safely say that the era of the importance of the college degree has probably reached its peak somewhere before we're talking today. In other words, some yeah. maybe it's the last year, maybe it's the last five years, but the importance mm-hmm. of having a college degree for your future success were beyond the age of the importance of the college degree. Mm-hmm. And I think because that the rules, all of those the rules of, are... The rules of Cloudlandia, of B plus yes. C times R, is yeah. the new success formula. Yeah. And I think we're long, you know, I think we're seeing everything crumble. The, um, you know, I think this year has proven the, um, you know, uh, geography is less, uh, mainland geography is less important in Cloudlandia. It really doesn't have any play. Um, Because I think about that, I really, you know, it dawned on me, I think I shared with you last week that I realized now it's been, I have not been more than 90 minutes by car away from my home (laughs) in over a year now. I mean, I've been to Orlando, I've been to Sarasota, that's it. Well, That's I've been the, three hours. I've been three hours. Yeah, you've been to your cottage, right? Yeah, yeah. And, but isn't uh, that, I mean, we've basically, we have been alive and thriving in Cloudlandia without, well, yeah. Actually, we've been thriving because of that restriction. <laughs> we've mm-hmm. actually been thriving because of the restriction, yeah. not in spite of the, uh, the restriction. Yes, I agree. That, I think that's absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, uh, that a phrase P- Peter Diamandis said, you know, everybody thinks that creativity is thinking outside of the box. He says it's actually probably a factor of thinking in a smaller box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And on fewer things, it's progress. <laughs> ben Hardy okay. had a. Um, I'll just end on this, Dan. Ben Hardy this week sent out a um, one of his emails was a gaping void um, um, uh, image that had this cartoon was one thing is uh, is what changes your life. <laughs> is what will change your life. And it was, uh, you know, he was talking about progress is, and I've seen this with essentialism, but he said it in his video that progress is 20 steps in one direction versus one step in 20 directions. Yeah. That's an interesting, uh, that's part of that creativity. Do you remember the movie uh, City Slickers with Billy Crystal? I do, yeah. The secret to life. Yeah, and, and in it, uh, Billy Crystal, who's a very, you know, very nervous, anxious, paranoid city slicker, goes to a dude ranch, and the guy who runs the uh, trip into the wild for the city slickers is an old Hollywood Jack, western Jack guy Palance. by the name of Jack Palance. Jack Palance. Mm-hmm. And uh, at a certain point, he says to the Billy Crystal character, he says. I'm going to tell you what the secret of the universe is. And he sticks up his finger and Billy Crystal says, your finger is the secret of the universe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's one, you know, it's, it's one. I mean, I I mentioned the guy that we both know from Israel, you know, who could teach Mm -hmm. people with no musical training, how to make their living out of playing piano in three years if they just go through his training and he says, he says, 
I can apply this to anything. And I said, yeah, but your, your challenge is to apply it to one thing. And I said, yes. you know, uh, being good at everything is not the secret. Being really great at one thing is really the secret. Sick. Sick. Well, anyway, all right. Do I get a do I get a cloud Cloudlandia reward for bringing an example of VCR? Yes, this is going to go on your permanent record. Oh, good. we keep permanent records in non fungible format here, and uh, this is going to be a gold. It's going to be a gold star on your non fungible record here. Yep. Yeah. Whew, I feel so good because I'll I don't forward it to the administrators. It. I'll forward it to I've the been, administrators. I've, let let I've, the authorities know. Yeah, and, ma- and make sure that my achievement is protected by blockchain. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. I want it encrypted that this actually happened and I was approved by someone who's in a position to give approval. I like it. All right. Okay, Dan. I will talk to you next week, same time. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Dean. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks.